Good day, I am Anne Dollenshek and this is Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Peter Grunewald and Murray Legg. Peter is a qualified chartered accountant who fell in love with the media world and for the last 11 years, his focus has been on influencer marketing. He founded The Salt, the first to market nano-influencer channel in South Africa, which is being rolled out internationally at the moment as a technology solution. Currently, he's the CEO of South Africa's number one influencer marketing group at Infinity, helping brands to capitalize on trusted referrals through influencer marketing. Murray, an engineer by trade, is an ambitious entrepreneur in the marketing, fintech and e-commerce sectors, and also one of the founders of Webfluential. He describes himself as a gritty commercial thinker with a flair for seeing the impact of technology in industry well ahead of the consensus view. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss why nano-influencers have become more popular over the last two years, the role nano-influencers play in campaigns, the tech Murray and his team designed specifically for nano-influencers and why this is important for brands, and the role that tech plays in legitimizing influencer marketing. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good morning, Peter and Murray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Most of our listeners probably already know who you both are, but just for those who don't, Peter and Murray, please tell us more about who you are and what you do. Peter, let's start with you. Oh, thanks, Anne. Thanks for the opportunity um, to be on your show again. Yeah, I'm Peter Grunewald, and um, we're part of the Infinity Group where, where, we, where we specialize in influencer marketing, and we've got a couple of channels under our control, and we've really played, um, played a major role in growing the channel in the South African context. Um, hey, Anne. It's so great to be back on your show again. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Murray, and um, I was one of the founders who started Webfluential. So way back when, in 2013, I kind of uh, put a bit of a bet on that um, people would become interesting distribution channels, and um, and we built a business around that. And um, I mean, we, we've been lucky that kind of the world of X for creators is now a thing. So um, we've had a very interesting journey along the way, understanding how brands, communities, influencers, and creators all work together. Um, and yeah, we, we're interested in, in where it's going to keep going. Amazing. And I think we're all in a very exciting industry at the moment. It's just growing and changing and evolving. There's never a dull moment. Absolutely. So Peter, let's chat about nano-influencers in particular. In South Africa and in our context, what does that actually mean? Because we see overseas, a lot of the markets deem a nano-influencer to be up to 10,000 followers, which is definitely not the case with us. Yeah, I, I personally don't like like the metric of putting a follower account to a type of influencer. Because if you, for instance, and, and let's just use an example in a South African context, 
if you're into essential oils and you've got 5,000 followers, that makes you very influential in the essential oil type of market. So, so it depends on the industry that you specialize in. Um, and and that, that could possibly indicate the type of influence you've got. But to come back to a nano-influencer, in our world, we refer to as a nano-influencer as someone that's already got a brand affiliation. Because it's someone that you can match to a brand in a very authentic way. And, and, and we like to call them, these are fans of brands, existing fans of brands. They don't have huge audiences connected to them, but they're super, super influential on those that are connected to them. For me personally, I think if, you, if you've got a known audience that's connected to you, so you know most of the people that, that's in your, in your network, your social network, that for me is what classifies you as a, as a nano-influencer. I like that a lot more than people just putting follow account behind it because you're completely right. It depends on what niche you're in, how big, how small that influence can be. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But we've also seen over the last, I would say, two years, nano-influencers really kind of stepped into their own and stepped into the spotlight. Why all of a sudden have brands started noticing them? Well, I think what has happened is when, if you go back to 2015, the, the influencer industry was a $1.5 billion industry. And that has, that has exponentially grew to like, we're looking at it almost a $14, $15 billion industry this year. And as a result of that, you had to open up more influencer channels. If we still utilize only the top celebrities that we identified early on and utilize on campaigns, they would have been overused and not affordable. So mm. at the time, we opened new spheres of, of influencers. That's where the micro-influencers came into play. But influencer marketing is still a digital play. And on the back of that, everyone needs to be able to participate. So not only your big brands, it's not something that only they can participate in. And as a result of that, the nano-influencer spheres also start opening up because it makes it very affordable for, for brands of any size to play into the into the influencer marketing space, and I think that's why that's why it's a lot more coming to the fore, um, and and also the explosion of content creators out there that you now literally got you got so many people to choose from who you want to utilize on campaigns. No, absolutely, and especially those brand fans you mentioned earlier. That is such a gold mine for brands to just utilize people who already love their brands. It's a no brainer. Now I always say, as you know, most brands. Um, got the ability to communicate to their customers. And most brands hope their custom, customers talk on their behalf. You know, that's your organic testimonials and referrals kind of thing. But that doesn't happen often enough. And where a nano-influencer program kicks in is when, um, like in our case, the salt steps in and they've got a mechanism to, 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 to get customers or brand fans to talk more about those particular brands if you get what I'm sort of trying to explain. No, absolutely. So, Peter, let me ask you this then. I know there's a lot of misconceptions still out there about nano-influencers. What is the most popular one that you come across? Well, for me, I so, so first of all, if, if you can call out a name around a nano-influencer, it's definitely not a nano-influencer anymore <laughs> because these are ordinary people. They don't even foresee them. They don't even see themselves to be influencers. But we know and brands know that they're the most influential people out there. And they've got the ability 
to to change your behavior. Just think about just think about yourself, Anne. Who has changed yep. your behavior and your purchasing decision making processes of late? Sure, my definitely my partner and my parents, absolutely. And why is that? And and it's also you, you probably don't don't realize it, but also it's p- people connected to you in communities. And the reason yep. for that is there's high levels of trust and resonance. And when you've got there, when you've got that in play, it shortens the consideration path considerably. That makes complete sense. You'd rather trust someone close to you to tell you about a great brand experience than someone you kind of far removed from or a brand itself. I always use the example, if, if, if you need the tax consultant at, at, at the end of um, tax, when your tax return must be submitted, and you go in a WhatsApp group, you say anyone can recommend a, a tax advisor. Someone will just drop a number there. Yeah. You don't go through a whole process, how good is he, let me get 10 guys to quote me. That's the guy at the end of the day that does your tax. And that's a trusted referral. It comes with their trust. 100%. We've got a community WhatsApp group where I live. And often people will be like, I need a plumber or I need this or that. And people just go like, here's someone, use them for years. Fantastic. And I don't ask questions. Exactly. So another very exciting development in the whole influence marketing space right now and especially for the salt with nano influencers that Murray you and your team have developed special tech for nano influencers specifically why was there this need for this platform I, I think you know what, what we t- touched on now about uh, having a whatsapp group and being able to find someone that you recommend just the nature of the telephone has meant that people can talk in groups and, you know, a couple of years ago, it wasn't an option to have a WhatsApp group. You know, if all your conversations were one-to-one where you'd actually put in someone's telephone number on a landline, but now your cell phone allows you to have those group conversations. And, um, and it's just opened up kind of that dark social component where people are discussing, you know, latest trends, news, what to buy, what, who to use, um, and, you know, and what's happening in the world around them. So it's, I think, more... Uh, the technology is an enabler for people who are passionate about earning an income from working with the brands that they love. So if you think about that, um, people have traditionally earned money off of their skill and their time. So you earn a degree and you have your hours in the day and you give those to someone in exchange for a return. You've never really thought about it as an asset, but if you have... Uh, involvement in a community in some shape or form, you can earn a yield off of that community by uh, introducing brands and recommendations to those people. And I think that's really just, you know, from a market timing perspective, that's just the change that's happened. And traditionally, where where bigger influencers were able to monetize and they could work directly with a a bigger brand or through an agency and then a brand, um, you know, now everyone's an influencer and everyone affects a purchasing decision. And because e-commerce is, uh, is a lot more kind of digitally available to everybody, um, that's, that was the, the kind of the thesis behind why we built out um, the nanotech. And what that nanotech allows is it, it, it empowers people to become their own um, empowered uh, creators effectively so that they can make money on a side hustle, even though they've got their job and they, they're selling their time and their skill to someone else or converting it through their own business, they can also monetize through the people that they connected to. So that's really what uh, what we wanted to do by building out our nanotech. 
So that's amazing for the influencer side of things. And everyone, like I say, is an influencer these days. If you're involved in the community, you can sign up, you can register with Assault, and you can start making some money off that as well as a side hustle. But what does this tech mean for brands? So, I mean, brands always want to find that needle in the haystack to really understand their, con their consumer. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, a Unilever, for example, is selling their products to a pick and pay macro and a shop right, they'd never really know who their end consumer is. So they end up having to pay a Nielsen or a similar provider to actually find out who is my customer and how do they use my product and how do they love it. So for the most part, they found out about that only secondhand after they've brought something to market and it's now being distributed through a retailer to a community. With the value of what we are trying to trying to help brands with here is connecting the consumers to the brands. So when you create a profile on the salt, you, um, you enter some information about who you are, like what car you drive, if you drive a car, um, where you live, what, which bank you bank with, what kind of phone you have, what, um, you know, what, what do you get up to on weekends? And we can now start matching, um, brands to their actual consumers, to their brand fans that the, I mean, the consumers never really thought that they could uh, get any kind of e-commerce traction out of um, out of doing work with the brands that they love. But now brands can connect with the people that are using their products. So in some respects, it's kind of the future of, of retail where we see a disintermediation away from retailers and onto the end consumer being the retailer. Um, but you know, I think a lot of consumers are interested to talk to brands, but brands are fascinated by who their end consumer is and how much they love or dislike their product. But but the but the technology is um, what it also does is continuously learning and adding more data points around profiles because um, and you've got the ability that if you don't have the data points established on the system as of yet, and you've got a client that's interested in particular profiles, that you can build those data points. I mean, one of the most unique campaigns we've done, certainly in all the time I've been involved, is we've currently got a campaign running with, with pregnant women that's in their second trimester of pregnancy. And it allows us that deep dive into profiling in order to find those individuals that's within that time period and then attach them to a particular brand that they already consume. That's amazing. So it's really a win-win for everyone around. Yeah, and I think it, it comes back. I always use the quote of, of Mark Zuckerberg, uh, a trusted referral is the holy grail of advertising. And I think that's at a nano level where you try and match that authenticity of someone that's already aligned to a brand to do the talking on behalf of the brand. So that not all the talking is done by the brand anymore, but a, a large portion of it is done by its existing fans out there. No, it makes a lot more sense. People are so over traditional advertising. They don't want to hear a brand talk about how amazing they are. They really do want to hear from their friends and their families and people that they're connected with online to give them that real experiences. Yeah, for sure. And I think as, as, as I go back to their trust and resonance, mm -hmm. um, the one comes with it, the other one tries to create it sort of. No, exactly. But Peter, now that we are treating our nano influencers the same as our bigger influencers from a tech side, does that also mean that brands should now start treating our nano influencers like micro and macros and campaigns as well? There's a slight difference, though, because like um, your micro and macro influencers, a lot of their profiling is done through social media and scraping of information. 
as well as if you've got uh, API integration. On a nano, on a nano uh, level, you can't build those profiles from social listening because first of all, a lot of those profiles are not public. And second, they don't talk as often on social media in order to build profiles. And then when I'm, what I've mentioned earlier, those examples, there's just no way you can scrape it off social media. So when you talk nano influencers, your data points must sit offline. It cannot be gathered from a social listening tool. So that's the big difference. Um, in terms of uh, must we treat them differently? I think as first, first of all, there's an there's a oversupply of nano influencers out there. So, so your rates are very affordable. Um, and it allows smaller players to come into the space as well as bigger players to have a consistent voice out there it's been done by their client, by their existing fans, kind of, and it's it's not from a brand perspective only. So I think it's it's, it's what we've seen definitely is a lot more always on campaigns, where consistently through twelve months of the year, you you carrying the brand voice through these these people that's so closely connected to them already, and you do tick that box of authenticity. So the more you talk about influencer marketing, the more that will come up. How authentic is it? And the closest thing from an organic referral or introduction to a product will be coming from someone that's already sort of introduced to the brand and now start talking about it through a program behind them. I think to add to that is um, you know, just um, every macro influencer started out as a, as a nano or a micro yeah. influencer. So um, it's, it's really just uh, pointing to the fact that you know, some some uh, influencers have been in the game a little bit longer. They've had time to grow and sustain that audience. And in doing so, they've also understood the type of content uh, that resonates well. So um, they, they, they end up being, uh, I would say, probably better content creators because it is their skill in a, in a bigger tier influencer than in a, than in a nano influencer. But using those to work together is also quite an interesting combination for a brand. So having a few change agents, um, kind of people who are who are have the ear of a, a wider audience to introduce a great piece of content, and then having a lot of nano influencers go and involve themselves in that conversation, because you know if, if someone has a million followers, puts a, a tweet out there about a brand, and then even just gets 1% of that audience replying. There's no ways that that individual can then reply to 10,000 messages. So having nano influencers then involved to go and engage and continue the conversation is actually quite a good brand strategy for an influencer campaign. Yeah, and I was literally going to ask you about how that would work, but you've put it so nicely with nanos working with our bigger influencers. Do you have maybe an example of a recent campaign that actually utilized that kind of strategy? Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Yeah, so I don't want to mention names, Anne, but um, I can possibly tell you that more or less 50% of all campaigns going out these days is a combination of nanos with micro and macro influencers. Oh, amazing. But it comes in at the strategy level. So you can see, um, obviously, as this industry and this channel is growing, we, we start getting solid strategies behind it. Mm. And, um, and instead of just looking at one channel as a, as a means to an end, 
people are start exploring different types of influencers working together. And like what, what Murray was saying is maybe deploy it at different time slots. So from a from an introduction point of view, you might use the 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 macro micro type of influencer. But then from an educational point of view and a testimonial point of view, you might start using nano influencers. One thing that amazes me, and there's a lot of content pieces coming across my desk, is that how all of us are inspired to create, we all become in our own right storytellers today. And the tools available from us, from the phones that we buy and use, is amazing. So we start getting amazing storytellers through the content that they produce, and the tools is there for everyone to utilize. So it's not like you necessarily take a huge step back in content, and then even from a relatability. For me, nano influencers is addressing also a big gap in the market around diversity because you can deploy lots of them on a campaign to speak to every sector of your target market, every demographic, um, and let people, the different profiles do the talking. They can do it in their home languages and, and, and they create content that relate to their audiences. Um, and that's just one of the ways that it, it comes to its it comes to its own. No, for sure. So, Mari, when we look at the tech again, um, how does tech in this space, especially in influencer marketing, not just marketing, but how does it simplify and make our space more effective than doing it manually like we used to do? You know, the, there was uh, there was the ability where you could keep in in the top of your mind, you know, the five to ten people that uh, that held a share of voice with a particular audience. And then when it probably went past 10, then you had to start kind of jotting those numbers down um, onto a spreadsheet um, and then be able to run some searches on that spreadsheet. And, you know, after about 100, um, when you start having other, other components of your data around that individual, so whether it's their profile, whether it's their consumer behavior, whether it's their, um, their preferences for, for particular brands, as soon as that kind of data model becomes a little bit more complex, um, you then need some software. And, and software um, in, in the form of this tech is really there to make it efficient for people to manage their own profiles as nano influencers, but then also for, um, for the salt and the brands that work with the salt to be able to discover those very unique needles in the haystack. And one of the components of it that Peter touched on was being able to uh, survey all of our nano influences around specific things. So you mentioned the idea of, um, of the pregnant ladies, but we can run surveys where, you know, a, a brand might be interested in knowing a little bit more around the space of the consumer behavior. So if they're selling a product that is, say, as an example, used in the kitchen, um, some appliance that's used there, they might want to know the peripheral experiences, you know, what, what other products go into that appliance, what time of day are they being used, how many people are they cooking for? What do the, the children and the grandparents have to say about the food that comes out of that particular appliance? So we can capture that all in a, a very interesting survey and distribute that off to, to influencers. And then influencers obviously are going to incur some time to answer those. So we're rewarding those influencers with nano credits. And we've got some very interesting things in the pipeline around how we will then uh, convert those nano credits into value uh, for, for influencers. Um, but over time, we then just get a lot of very interesting declared data uh, from our influencers. And then it obviously makes that, that uh, jump to the brand 
more than what a spreadsheet could do or more than what the, the memory in your own head could do. And that's kind of why we see it as an investment that we think will add value to both sides of our marketplace. That's a huge value add, especially to brands and not only to influencers. We hope so. <laughs> it also drives, I mean, technology also drives efficiencies because the thing is you yeah. just can't add man hours the more influence because you naturally... If you if your budget could afford one macro influencer, um, it could have afforded four micro influencers. It possibly for the same amount of money can afford 30, 40 nano influencers. Sure. You can't try and do it manually because that will just make it it wouldn't make it cost effective. And I think technology is adding a big way of making it cost effective for the client at the end. Peter, besides talking about nano influencers being super authentic and already being brand fans. What else should brands keep in mind when they're looking for nano-influencers for their campaigns? So I think as we, we started off with it, it's not about follow account. It's your ability to influence and change the behavior of the people connected to you. For me, the biggest mistake you can make with a nano-influencer is, is to actually focus on the followers and not about authenticity and the connect, existing connection with a brand. And then Murray... When we look at our tech now, we've got amazing tech set up for micro, macro and nano influencers. Everything is running a lot more smoothly. Like Peter said, we are saving on manpower as well and time there. But is there a role that tech's playing in legitimizing our industry as a proper marketing channel? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so legitimizing, I think, you know, the, uh, the good actors in a community uh, legitimizes the message that goes on there and what Peter mentioned earlier is everyone's a storyteller and has a story to tell so what technology does is it connects people and by being able to connect people and then overlaying the ability to tell interesting stories influencer marketing then is created as a channel so you know the the, the dimensions of of that connectedness I think also touch on various different use cases so I mean Right now, it's quite topical to to uh, hear about stories like Discord and um, and uh, I mean Facebook's also doing some interesting things with audio where people can connect just on an audio channel. So unlike Zoom, where you've got uh, we've got uh, you know people's faces that are connecting, or unlike static social media like Instagram and Facebook, here it's an interconnected audio channel. So Clubhouse, you know, something similar there where niche audiences can get together, a story can be told and then can be unpacked. Obviously, you know, it's, it's natural that brands participate in that. Um, but the more, the more authentic someone is because it's happening in real time, the more it legitimizes the channel. If you have, some, if you have a communication channel that is asynchronous, which is Twitter, for example. So you post a tweet, I reply to it a number of hours later. There, there creeps in this ability to have, you know, some bad actors where, you know, the tone of their um, of their their tweet or response is maybe not on point, or you know, they can hide behind kind of a misconstrued identity. But as soon as it becomes something that is happening in real life or as close to real life as possible, meaning that you have the liveness effect of me being able to talk to you on this podcast or being, being able to chat on a WhatsApp group, um, that totally legitimizes influencer marketing. So mm. there's less, uh, less kind of bad acting happening, and I think a lot more transparency and truth that's happening. 
I love that because transparency is such a huge thing, not only in influence marketing, but just in the world as in general. So it's really, really good that we're seeing that coming to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. So Murray, what can we look forward to in the next couple of years with tech in the space? How do you think it's going to evolve, say, over the next two years? Sure, it's a, it's a, it's a hard one to kind of wrap <laughs> uh, our head around because I think you know, the world moves so much faster now than it did a, a while back. And um, I mean, I, I guess we, we've been lucky to make an early call on the fact that influencer marketing was going to become a media channel so we've got to look at how that evolves over time and i think you know more so than brands participating from a, a brand story perspective i think where we could see some interesting developments is how commerce becomes part of a social discussion so social selling and effectively headless e-commerce which headless e-commerce is the ability to sell your products from a store but not being on the store so if take a lot um, as an example, uh, you have to go to take a lot store to buy something from them. But in the future, you might be able to get a link from someone and you can buy a product because you told me about it and I like the look of it. And it was fulfilled by take a lot, but take a lot had no mention in the discussion. You didn't go to their website. You were wow. on that. And that's effectively what headless e-commerce is. So you can sell on WhatsApp, you can sell on Facebook Messenger, um, you can scan a QR code to buy something. And those are all your additional sales channels that then become unlocked. So I'd say, you know, the, the interesting players to watch are kind of um, the, the Shopify's of the world. It's interesting to watch kind of a crypto play because, you know, then money needs to flow across borders. Um, so, you know, from an e-commerce perspective, that becomes interesting. Um, and then, I mean, also keeping an eye on, on the youth. I, I read a, an interesting uh, report this morning around 16, 14 to 16 year old uh, kids in the US and the brands that they love. And, you know, one wouldn't imagine that they would spend the majority of their, their budget every month of their pocket money uh, on food. Of the food that they're spending it on, it's mostly Starbucks. And then how they're sure. spending their time is mostly on Snapchat, then on TikTok, then on Instagram. And they Nike is their favorite brand. Um, but they also, I mean, 19% of them had already opened a crypto wallet. And um, and then, you know, they, they, they're spending a lot of time on YouTube and, and following people um, that they love and learning about the world through YouTube. So, you know, I, th I think that's probably also another another um, segment for us to keep an eye on is is how the youth are being exposed to brands. Um, I mean, you would never think that someone during lockdown would try on um, some Gucci shoes in a VR filter on Snapchat. But that was that was a very interesting um, campaign that Gucci ran and they generated a huge amount of sales by creating that filter. So. Um, so retail in the future with influencers, I think, is is definitely something to watch. Oh, that's crazy. And that's very interesting um, insights there as well. And you're so right. We need to keep our eye on that youth because going into careers and getting more spending power as they get older, and we need to keep up with that. Yeah, and, then, and I also think it's just just from as this channel is growing, it's, it's, it's influencer marketing started off as a tactic most of, most of the times. Yeah. But it's now developed in a fully fledged media channel. 
And as this channel is growing and delivering results, because everything is very measurable as well, you'll start finding that all that a lot of this uh, will, will, will move in my mind over the next five years where organizations will start taking control of influencer marketing themselves. And the tools mm -hmm. are readily available out there for self-serve. And you'll start seeing a lot more of that happening in future because there will be more experience around. The tools are already there. And it's now a matter of brands sitting back and saying, but it's working exceptionally well. I want to take control 100% of this in-house. Yeah, it does make sense as the world evolves and the media channels evolves with them. But Peter, when we look at nano-influencers, what do you think is the next evolution in the next couple of years for them? As I mentioned earlier, I still think is the fact that we're opening ourselves now that influencers through nano-influencers is available for the local beauty salon to utilize. It could be that your local restaurant can utilize influencer marketing now. That mm. demand for it will increase, not so much by more money being pumped into the few big ones, but um, less money, more money will be punted in, in or pushed into the space through utilizing many more of these nano influences. So I think for the people on our database, they're probably the pioneers. But over time, people's going to sit back and say, every time I do a post, there's opportunity for me to make money around it. And, and there's organizations around that can link me to brands. That's a perfect fit for me. Not I'm not doing it because they pay me. I was first a fan of the brand. And then the, the brand approached me to represent them in a conversation. Yeah, and we're seeing that happening already, which is great because people are realizing that there is there's opportunity in their opinions of the really good experience that they're having. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, James, thank you so much. We've come to the end of a very interesting conversation with you guys. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. But just to end off, maybe can you tell our listeners where can they connect with you online? Peter, can we start with you? Um, I'm at LinkedIn. And otherwise, you can reach me at the Infinity or the Salt Portals. There, there's opportunities there to, to, to reach out to us, and we'll pick you up from there. Amazing. And Murray? Yeah, it's, it, it's in a way a bit strange that I work in social media and I don't post on social media all that much. So <laughs> you, won't, you won't see me sharing my opinions uh, very often, but um, you're welcome to. I do listen on Twitter a lot. So follow me on Murray Leg at, uh, at Twitter, and I will um, be in touch. Amazing. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a good one and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Anne. Appreciate the opportunity. Big pleasure. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.